The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code ROSS. That's code ROSS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. If you'd like to make your NFL games a little more interesting, you've come to the right place. It's the Even Money Podcast with Ross Tucker and Steve Fezzik. Yeah, Vegas, baby, Vegas. And we have finally reached the conclusion of the NFL season. And we are still presented by BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts, Use the promo code PODCAST1 so you get a 50% sign-up bonus today. Steve, we did it, buddy. Excellent, excellent, strong finish to the year in the Super Bowl. Excellent season for us. Steve, of course, is Steve Fezzik, the only two-time winner of the Super Bowl of professional football gambling. The Westgate out at the Super Contest out at the Westgate Casino Check him out on Twitter at Fezzik Sports and only at Fezzik Sports. Steve, we'll get to it momentarily, but you finished up 13 units for the season. You came through in the Super Bowl up six units. That was awesome, Steve. Absolutely awesome. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, only ended up being up two units. For the Super Bowl, but I will take it up 26 units for the year at Ross Tucker NFL, Twitter and Instagram, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years. Steve and I both were in the black double digits, a combined 39 units. We'll get to the best bets in a little bit, which is awesome. As a reminder, this podcast is year round. Even today, we'll be talking about the Super Bowl 2021 odds that are already out there. Next week, we'll get into some of the season win totals from last year that we did very well on. We'll recap that. We don't even count our success on those when we are up 26 and 13 units, respectively. We also have some interesting email questions from you guys that we will get to. Please Send them along. Take advantage of any of our sponsors. Bet online, 100flowers.com for Valentine's Day. Heck, myfrontpagestory.com for Valentine's Day. If you want to be able to tell your wife, hey, babe, I want to do something special for you. So I had a story written about you this year. Are you kidding me? Had a story written about you? 
If that's not the greatest line you can say to your wife, I don't know what is. When she reads those quotes, she will cry tears of joy. Myfrontpagestory.com. All right, so Steve, before we dive into our actual bets and the success we had in the Super Bowl, I don't often do this, but I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts overall in the game and maybe in particular the strategy in the game, whether that's Andy Reid going forward on the fourth downs, Kyle Shanahan end of the first half, Kyle Shanahan in the fourth quarter. I always appreciate your perspective on probabilities and whether or not these guys are making the right decisions. What did you take away from the Super Bowl? Yeah, so the Andy Reid decisions to go for it are slam dunks. It's not even close. Unless your coach is Tomlin, you go for it in those situations. So I thought that was kind of a non-issue, they, but they were absolutely correct. I strongly disagreed with Shanahan at the end of the first half. One, not calling the timeout when Kansas City was punting from midfield, a little under two minutes to play. But I was actually okay with that because the punt could go out of bounds on the five. But once you get the ball on the 20, freeze it. At that point, let's assume we're going to bet, live wagering, who's going to win the first half. If you set a line on that, you would make San Francisco, because they, they have the ball, a pretty substantial favorite. So somewhere maybe around minus fifty, 60% chance to win the rest of the half. And obviously it's a refund if it's a tie. So to just run the ball twice and not try to score until Kansas City used their timeouts clearly was in violation of, I guess, what you would call basic strategy uh, football. Now, Shanahan knows more about his team and the psyche of Jimmy G and the like, and he knew he was getting the ball. So we got to figure that in somewhat, but I still strongly disagreed with it. Yeah, and I, and I want to get your thoughts on that because – I was okay with not calling the timeout, Steve, because they're punting from the 49-yard line. There's like a minute 40, a minute 35, I think they could have called the timeout at. And they almost downed that ball at the one. And so I would like to know at that point what the probability is that either team scores in the end of the half. Right when they're punting it, I like to know the probability. And then, because I got to imagine, Steve, certainly if the ball go, gets down at the one, like it almost did. I mean, they, they tapped it. They weren't able to quite keep it in. It almost did. I got to think if it, the ball goes out at the one, then you calling a timeout with a minute 40 left is really more than likely just helping the Chiefs score at the end of the first half. Yes, and kind of the point of demarcation, if you will, in terms of who has the advantage, I've always used the 13-yard line. So if I'm on my 12, I'm losing. I'm less likely to score than my opponent. And if I'm on my 15, I'm more likely. So I, I use you know, right around the 13, 14-yard line to be that point. And you, could, you could say that's about what you would expect when a team is punting from close to midfield. So because of that, fine not calling the timeout before the punt, not fine with them just running the ball twice after they get the ball in the 20. Yeah, I didn't really understand that because that was my biggest critique of Kyle Shanahan. Once you get the ball at the 20 and there's a minute left in the half and you have all three timeouts, in today's day and age of the NFL, that is a ton of time, especially when you have such a good kicker. 
I don't know why they waited till third down to call the angle route or the Texas route, whatever you want to call it, to Jeff Wilson out of the backfield where they, by the way, got 20 yards and got out to the 45. I don't know why you wait till third down to do that. I don't know why you don't have more of a sense of urgency on first down, even after you run the football. It That, that seemed very conservative by Kyle Shanahan there. I could live with the no timeout, but I, I don't have a very good explanation. And I wrote about this in my column this week for The Athletic. I don't think there's a very good explanation for what he did on first and second down, other than he really does not have that much faith in Jimmy Garoppolo, which I think is interesting because then it makes me wonder whether consciously or subconsciously that ever affects Garoppolo because he's not dumb. He knows that you know there's a minute left, three timeouts, and they're running the ball. He knows on some level what that says about him or what it says about how his coach feels about him. Absolutely. So not a confidence infuser. And, and the best evidence why it was a mistake is that oftentimes all you got to do is look to the opposing sideline or the opposing team's betters. If you bet Kansas City on the money line, you're like, please, God, just run the ball. Don't try to score on me. I mean, it's, it's a slam dunk. It's not even debatable. So when you look at it from Kansas City's perspective, I don't think there was one person who had bet Kansas City first half or game that was displeased with the, with the way San Francisco closed out their decision-making in the first half. Well, let's get to some of those now, Steve, some of the bets um, for the weekend. Um, and it's pretty crazy when you end up looking at, at what happened overall. Um, we shall start with your – well, why don't we start with the first half? Um, because I had the Niners plus half a point in the first half for two units. And so I got to tell you, Steve, I wasn't hating them being conservative at the end of the first half there. I mean, obviously, in the big picture of the game, I didn't like the first and second down play call. But, you know, for my bet at that point, that was pretty sweet for me. Yeah, and it really shows the value of those plus a halves in the when you bet quarters and you bet halves, they hit a lot. Teams tie a lot. And so because of that, getting that hook, so important. Yeah, that was that was awesome. That was two units for me that absolutely needed. Um and then we had also our best bet, uh, which was and by the way, you know, I like the Niners plus half a point in the first half because of how slow the Chiefs had started and how well the Niners had started. But it didn't really – I mean, it didn't really play out that way. I, I'm not going to say I was fortunate to get it, but, you know, I won it by half a point. It was not like the Niners were dominant in the first half. Yeah, but I, I would say that the, that the Niners slightly outplayed Kansas City. So you're getting a half. And I get it that it could have gone either way. But even the first quarter, anyone who bet the Niners in the first quarter, Kansas City got their touchdown with 30 seconds to go in the first quarter. So for the most part of the first half, the Niners' D really shut down Mahomes, and the Niners' run offense was clicking. So I think you, I think you deserve to win your bet. 
All right, then um, another bet that we had was two units on the under 13 and a half penalties in the game. And, and let me just tell you, Steve, we won this bet. So it's another two units for me, two units for you. It was a best bet, our only best bet of the Super Bowl. So we actually finished the year 33 wins, 22 losses, and three pushes on our best bet. So 33, 22, and three. Not too shabby, Steve. Don't have to have an Ivy League education to know that three and two, 10 times over, is 60%. Yep, 60%, which is real nice for our best bets each week. I got to tell you, Steve, I'm probably going to do that every Super Bowl moving forward. They weren't calling anything. I mean, if it was a false start or offsides that they had to call, they did. A couple of clear, in my mind, pass interference penalties that they had to call, they did. But Steve, I mean, there were a bunch of holding, offensive holding, that they could have called that they didn't. Both quarterbacks, especially Garoppolo, got smashed with a helmet-to-helmet in the pocket, and they didn't throw it. They absolutely let those guys play. Absolutely. must have been driving you crazy as a former offensive lineman where you couldn't do things that they were getting away with. Jimmy G got smashed out of bounds once and got popped in the chops, like you said. No flags on either one of those two. You know, the one call, and no one mentions this, but I really think it was pretty egregious. When you're calling the game that loosely and letting the boys play, how does Kittle pushing off with his little pinky a couple times get flagged for a penalty? That was completely inconsistent with all the other play calls the entire Super Bowl. Yeah, I thought that was a fine call. I, I, I thought he pretty clearly pushed off. He really did it twice. He didn't need to do it. I thought that was a good call. I know everybody compares it to the Vikings and the Saints and says, well, why didn't Rudolph get a penalty? The answer is he should have. You know, Rudolph should have. It was a bad no call against the Saints in the wild card round because I thought Rudolph pretty clearly did push off. But you don't think that was a I thought that was definitely a penalty, Steve. I thought it was definitely a penalty as well, but since they weren't calling every other definitely a penalty plays, unless it was egregious, it was inconsistent. Some of the other bets we had in the game, we'll get to a few more of your bets in terms of the props. This was one of the worst bets I've ever seen, Steve, or worst bad bets I've ever seen. Over under Mahomes rushing yards, 29. You take the over, put two units on it. He's like over 40 yards. At the end of the game, he starts to do take a knee and doesn't just take a knee, but tries to buy extra time, backs up, and then goes down and you ended up pushing, Steve. Yeah, it's interesting because I would argue it's one of the best bets 
that I ever made. But you're right, it's one of the worst bad beats in terms of the results. And think about this. He has 44 yards. The Chiefs are trailing. There's almost there's no scenario that I can come up with that because obviously if he gets sacked, it doesn't count against his rush yards. So at that point, the only way we lose is if miraculously the Chiefs take the lead, get the ball back, and he has to run 15 yards out with his kneel downs. It's literally we're 99.99 percent. We're way more than a thousand to one to win this bet. Unbelievable. Wow, a thousand to one. That's crazy. All right, it might have made up for it though on the next one though, Steve, because you had two units on under two and a half passers in the game, and the Niners called a play where they wanted Debo Samuel to throw the football. He looked back at Garoppolo. Garoppolo was being covered, so he pulled the ball and ran it instead. That What's the opposite of a bad beat, Steve? You know, that's interesting because it's so gamblers are ne- have negative philosophies because a lucky win doesn't have a specific name, but the bad beat everyone knows is indeed the bad beat. Yeah, and I would say, how often does Samuel throw that ball, Ross? Maybe 60% of the time? Yeah, maybe a little higher. I mean, if they practice it and he gets it, those guys usually want to throw it, but credit to him for seeing that it wasn't open and tucking it away and picking up, I think he got seven yards on it. So we were fortunate on that one, but obviously if you put the two together, um, I guess because we got a push on the 29, uh, maybe we got what we deserved going one zero and one All right, then you had the second half outscoring the first half for two units and that bet was 14-4 and 1 since 2000 and you won two units there Steve I didn't I didn't bet that did I or did I Oh it, 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 I it's all just a blur Ross I can't recall Yeah I don't think I did that was just you I'm not taking credit for that um maybe I did I we got to go back and listen because on the one hand, he doesn't have me doing that. On the other hand, he does. So I go back and listen. I don't think I did. So I did not give myself credit for it with the grading. But uh, yet again, I mean, they outscored. The Chiefs outscored the first half in the last seven minutes of the game. Yeah, and that that's really, frankly, one that the pros have been betting each and every Super Bowl. And it makes a lot of sense. Teams are tight. They're conservative. Even at the end of the first half, we saw how conservative – that San Francisco was, and then long halftime show to make adjustments and oftentimes cautioned the wind late in the game and yet another second half going over, first half going under. Um, what is the, uh, what's the max on that usually? What's the limit on those bets typically? On the Super Bowl props, it all depends by the books. Anywhere from 500 to $2,000 are what you typically see. Got it. Okay. And then the two bets I lost, Steve, um, they were both one unit. So good lesson there that we'll get into. And I'll repeat this again. We are year round. And starting next week, we will look at the, the season that was, any lessons we learned from it, as well as how we did on the season win totals. 
because I think we did pretty darn well on our season win totals, Steve. So that's what we're going to break down next week, our season win totals, as well as just any sort of lessons we learned from betting this year. Um, But one of them I learned is just how important, and we know this, how important allocation is. And I only put one unit on the Niners for the full game, getting the point. I only put one unit on the over because I didn't feel as strongly about it as I did on the two prop bets, the under penalties and the Niners plus half a point in the first half. So I lost both those bets, Steve, but ultimately I was up two units for the game because of the other bets. So it's another example there of putting the right amount on it. Yeah, and I think in the post-mortem, if you ask, hey, we can get into our time machine and they're going to replay this game, how would you like to reallocate your bets? You've got to keep your same bets, but what sort of weightings would you like to have? And I think it's pretty obvious, Ross, we'd like to put 10 units on the penalties under, and we'd like to put 10 units on Mahomes over the 29 rush yards again. So, you know, ultimately weighting the, uh, you know, one, and, and one of those was a best bet. But um, this is something that in the literature, there's a lot of sports betting books out there, and very, very few of them are any good at all. It's what separates blackjack and poker, which has great books on both, hundreds of great books, and sports betting, almost no good books. And there's even books and pros out there that say flat betting. You should bet the same on each and every play that you make. And it's just complete nonsense. It's garbage. I'm, I'm friends with lots of professional gamblers. The whole concept that you can't identify a bet that's like way, way better than another bet and that they're all, they all should be equal is wrong. Now, the average Joe betting, like the average Joe at a blackjack table, it's fine to bet the same on every play. But if you've got competency at this, if you're good at this, you should be able to identify, hey, penalties, 13 and a half, that's ludicrous. It's way too high. Mahomes, 29 rush yards, that's way too low. Bet more. Yeah. Um, I, I'm with you on that. That that doesn't make sense to me at all. Uh, obviously, I almost won the Niners' full game bet. I mean, Steve, when it was 31-20 and the Niners had the ball at the end of the game before Jimmy G threw that pick, I thought I was going to backdoor cover the over, which is crazy. That, But I, I thought there was a chance, you know, if Jimmy G hits Emmanuel Sanders on the deep ball – when it's 24-20, or if he doesn't throw that pick, I think I, I almost was able to get a, a, a cover on the over, which is crazy. Yeah, if he hits Sanders, I think we go 27-all and we're in overtime. And let's face it, that ball's in the air. He's got to clear two steps. What do you think, Ross? Completes it half the time? Should be. Should be at least half, really. NFL quarterback. So, for the week, um, I was up two units you were up six units for the super bowl so as i said earlier steve i'll say it again for the season our official season not including the season win totals you were up 13 units i was up 26 units again the best bets 33 22 and 3 not too bad mr fezzik not too bad lock it up another winning um season on the Even Money podcast, and I, I know that this is getting old for some people, but I'm going to go ahead and say 
unsustainable. Hitting 60% of best bets just will not happen. It cannot happen in the long term. So um, anyone that's um, if we if we hit 48% next year, it's certainly within the realm of possibilities, guys. But the good news is the memoryless property really doesn't look back at how much we won. So it's certainly um, a real scenario that we could hit 60% again next year. Yeah, you know what? One of our one of these weeks because we get into all kinds of fun stuff in the off season. We'll have guests on, including a listener who won the BetOnline.ag suicide pool ten thousand dollars. Steve Shalabo and his syndicate. He'll be on in a couple weeks. Uh, one of the things I want to do in a couple weeks, Steve, is go back to over the last few years. And total up where we're at since we started the show, or at least as far back as we still have records. Last year was a down year for me, but the year before I was really good. So just try to get a bigger, larger sample size so people know where we're at. Next week we will review our season win totals. But if memory serves, we were we were good on a bunch of those season win totals. I mentioned Bet Online. Uh, Didn't get a chance to get him on the show, but I do have a quote from our guy, Dave Mason, and he said, betonline.ag, use the promo code PODCAST1 for the 50% welcome bonus. He said, and I quote Dave uh, and Steve, this is from Dave Mason, not the best result for the book as we were almost all in on the Niners for the game and futures. Thankfully, the under was a big winner along with the Chiefs' money line. When all was said and done, it was a break-even Super Bowl for the book. Props-wise, we had quite a bit of action and thankfully very little controversy with the anthem going way under at 1 minute 50 seconds, which was our heaviest bet prop by far. The halftime show, we did have some debate about butt cleavage and side boob props, which were incredibly popular. So we decided to pay out both yes and no on both. Looking at next year, it's no surprise that the Chiefs are 5-1 to one favorites with the Niners at 7-1 to one and Ravens at 8-1. to one. We will obviously have to pay attention to Tom Brady. The Patriots are currently 9-1, to one, but if he goes, it will shake up all the odds. Your thoughts on our buddy Dave Mason paying out both butt cleavage and side boob, Steve. Yes and no bets. Sounds to me like next year, whatever the kind of funky bets are like that for the halftime show, we got to bet on them. Cause sounds like there's a good chance you win either way. Yeah, so apparently we still don't know if Dave Mason is a butt man or whether he's a breast man because he is paying attention to both, and I like that. Um, in terms of the odds to win Super Bowl forty-five or 55 in 2021, Chiefs are 5-1, to one, Niners 7-1, to one, Ravens 8-1, to one, blah, blah, blah. We'll get into that more um, in the coming weeks, but... Is there anything that you think right now people should consider jumping on, or does that go back to the needle in the haystack, wait for the season win totals? I think if you were going to make one bet, Baltimore 8-1 to probably has is the one bet that has value because, let's face it, Baltimore was 
the number one rated team pretty much by almost everyone. And then they had the one bad playoff game. So I think maybe a little overreaction. Clearly, in my eyes, you've got the big three in, in San Francisco, Kansas City, and Baltimore. And I think that because Kansas City came out victorious, they're only five to one, and Baltimore's eight to one. So um, they probably should all be six and a half to one. So maybe maybe a little flyer in Baltimore. Um, I do want to get to one email question, Steve, because it's relevant to what we're talking about now. And a reminder, by the way, if you take advantage of any of the sponsors on the sponsor tab at RossTucker.com or you get your wife a story at MyFrontPageStory.com or bet online, you can ask a question. This comes to us from a new patron, uh, Patreon.com slash RT Media, Kevin Potiadilic. He says, uh, this is a question for the Even Money Podcast. Super Bowl 55 odds are out. The odds on individual teams always seem quite high. It always seems like it could be pretty decent bet to place proportional wagers on the top few teams and craft a bet close to even money. Right now, for example, by betting the right amounts on KC, Baltimore, San Fran, New Orleans, and New England, you can get almost an even money return if any of those five teams wins next year. Other years, it's been possible to bet the top six teams this way. Any thoughts on this general strategy and anything I might be overlooking? That's from Kevin, Steve. Yeah, well, it won't work, Kevin, and here's why. Let's assume you had employed your strategy last year and done just that. Well, let's take a look at who the final four teams were. Kansas City, yep, they were projected to be one of the best teams. That's good. What were the other three teams in the Final Four? The Titans. They were supposed to win eight games. They clearly weren't a top five or six team. How about San Fran? Uh, their over-under was eight wins. They weren't supposed to be a top five or six team. Green Bay's over-under was nine. They, too, were not supposed to be a top five or six team. So you got one of the Final Four teams, even if you went as deep as eight deep with the projected eight best teams in the NFL, and that shows that as easy as this all looks, well, sure, you know, you can say things usually go according to form, but by October 1st, you know, the Niners and the Ravens went from middle-of-the-road teams to, oh, my God, these teams are really good. Uh, there's just too much parity in the NFL, and there's too much vig in those pools. So this is exactly what the sports books want you to do, is to try to bet a whole bunch of different teams in the futures markets, and that's why those sports books, with all the extra vig they charge, make a killing each and every year on those futures. Got it. All right. That makes plenty of sense. Really looking forward to next week. Reminder, you can listen to Andrew Brandt on today's Business of Sports podcast as talking XFL, as well as on today's Ross Tucker football podcast where he talked about where he thinks Tom Brady's going, hint, it's not New England, as well as why he thinks it might be the London Jaguars before you know it. Any initial thoughts, Steve, on the XFL? How closely will you be watching, following, and or potentially betting? It depends, and it depends how many books are going to put lines up on the XFL. Right now, only a sprinkling of the books have XFL lines up. 
So I need enough liquidity to make it worth my time. If all the books are going to deal XFL lines and if they're going to deal lines live wagering while the games are going on, I will become a very avid XFL um, fan and I will be watching all the games. However, if it's more like the Arena Football League where a lot of books just chose not to put any lines up, I won't pay any attention to it at all. I love it. All right, that makes perfect sense. If you decide to bet on the XFL this week, good luck, everybody. Hope you guys win some money. Thanks for listening to the Even Money Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, the Fantasy Feast, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.